We're in the book of 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 5. I had it marked and then I pulled all the papers out of my Bible and I have to look it up again. 1 John chapter 5. Uh, the text is verse 9. We've been talking about, in, in the book of 1 John, I counted 20. Someone else with some other translation counted 21. But there are, there are roughly 20 ifs in the book of John. And we've been talking about the ifs in the book of 1 John. Uh, understanding that when the Bible says if, there's a contingency somewhere hanging on that if. Uh, my wife says to the kids, if you don't clean your room, and I'll let her finish that sentence for you, but if you don't do your chores, there, there's a contingency on that statement. Well, throughout Scripture, there, there are uh, these, these statements of if, and, and um, so we've been looking at these 20 ifs, roughly 20 ifs in the book of First John. Today we're going to look at one of those, First John chapter uh, 5, verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. Let me read that again. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe... God has, uh, he who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and that this life is in his son. He who has a son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may, uh, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So he's, he begins here, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. I want to talk to you about the witness of men and the witness of God. First of all, we receive the witness of men. First John, we, we read this in the beginning. First John chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 4 says this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon with our hands, have, uh, which we have looked upon and with our hands we have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and we bear witness. We, mere men, uh, bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So, these, so, so the, the writers here begins to write and he begins to tell you, he begins to say to the church, we've seen Him. We've touched this. We've experienced this. We, we've known this. We've, we've interacted and, and we've actually had activity with Him. 
the Bible says we receive the witness of men. We listen to them and we go, oh, okay, th- this is true. You've, you've experienced this. We've, we've heard, we've seen, we, we've looked upon, we've touched with our, we've handled these things concerning God. And so he says, here's the witness of men. You receive the witness of men. Some people come to Jesus because of the testimony of men. You, you go and you share your story and you talk to them about how Jesus came into your life and how he changed you and how he healed your brokenness or how he touched your life or how he made your life different and uh, how he brought wholeness to the, uh, and healing to you and, and you share that story with people. That's actually a better story than reading someone else's story. Your story. And some people are moved by that story and they come to Jesus. And, but the Bible tells us that if you'll receive the witness of men, let me help you with something. The witness of God is greater. I want to talk to you a little bit about the witness of God. First of all, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 says this. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. He said that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture is the testimony of God. The testimony of God is greater than the testimony of man. My story will pass away in a generation or two. If if that long, no one will remember it. But Jesus said, my word will stand forever. The testimony of God is greater. And so he goes on. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. How many like to be complete? Thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the first witness of God is his word. He speaks of Jesus. He leads us to Jesus. He directs us to, through, through, through his word to the good news of the cross and the gospel and the blood and, and, and redemption. The witness of God is greater. Your witness is wonderful and you need to share your witness and you need to share your story. But the witness of God is greater and the witness of God will stand forever. The witness of God is what we we come to after, after I've shared my story and you come to Jesus or after you've shared your story and someone comes to Jesus, then the foundation that we put in their life is not your story or my story. The foundation we put in their life is the witness of God. Because this truth is what will sustain you. My story will not sustain you. It'll help you. It'll encourage you. But it is his witness that will sustain you. Now, look at Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Talking about the witness of God. First of all, the first witness of God we're talking about is his word. Now, what about those who've who've never heard the word? What about those who've never had an opportunity? This is, this is a question I've, I've actually engaged uh, in the parking lot out there uh, a time or two with folks as they come by. But what, what about somebody who's never heard the word? What about somebody who doesn't have this opportunity to hear the preaching of the gospel or to see things the way we see them or, 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 or whatever? What about those people? Well, the word tells us about those people. Romans chapter 1, verse 17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, As it is written, the just shall live by faith. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, listen to this terminology, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Men who know the truth but suppress it. Men who hide the truth. Because what may be known of God, listen to this, what, be, what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his character, his attributes, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that were made. God wrote himself the truth of himself in creation. By the things that were made, he witnessed of himself to the created. The creator, through his creation, we're created in the image of God, the Bible says. The creator, through his creation, witnessed of himself, showed himself clearly I've had folks who, who say they get up there in the mountains and they sit up on a rock, watch a waterfall going by, and, and they're, they're in, in, in quietness and, and, and sitting alone, and they're like, that is church for me. Why? Because there is a witness of the presence of God in that environment as they sit there. He is, he is witnessing of himself in creation, the beauty of it, the, the majesty of it, the... the uh, the, the, the way that it is all well-ordered and organized and, and structured, the structure of it, it all speaks of the greatness of the Creator. He, he, he ain't hiding. I love that. He's not hiding himself from you. He's revealing himself to you. So he says in verse 20 of, of Romans chapter 1, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Nothing hidden. Being understood by the things that were made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, even his eternal power and Godhead is expressed through that which he created. So that they are without excuse. No one gets to say, I didn't know. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let let me say that again. No one gets to say to God, I didn't know. Because he will go back through their life and he will say, I showed myself to you here, 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 and you chose not to see. You chose not to see. Verse 21 says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts, and the foolishness of their heart, their, their foolish heart was darkened. They chose. They, the, mm, the light was put in front of them, and they, cho they chose the darkness. The truth was put in front of them and they chose otherwise. So he says that even in the, cre the expression of the fullness of the Godhead through the, the, the powerful Godhead expressed in creation leaves us without excuse. Well, what about, what about a guy to whom the gospel was never preached? 
God will be able to stand with him and say, I showed myself to you here, I showed myself to you here, I showed myself to you here. You have an invitation today. I'm standing in front of you and I'm talking to you about the glory of the Lord. I'm talking to you about the goodness of God. And today is a day that God will say to anyone who rejects the gospel, I showed myself to you today. I showed myself to you here through the word. The witness of man is great. (laughs) The witness of God is greater. So if we would receive the witness of man, by all means, let us receive the witness of God. So what is the witness of God? How, let's, let's further explore that. God testifies of his son. And the word says, he who believes in the son, we just read this, let's go back to uh, John chapter 5, verse 10. He who believes in the son, he who believes has the witness in himself. The moment that you believe. Oh, let's just, I could enjoy this right here. Because God is so faithful over you. The moment that in your heart, faith is stirred, and you say, I believe the message, I believe what he says. You have a witness within yourself. You, you immediately have the witness of man. You have the witness of God deposited within you, and then you are a witness. So he says there, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness within himself. I want to explore that a little bit. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, it says this, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. You heard the word of truth, you trusted in him, the gospel, the, for the gospel of, uh, trusted in the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. The moment that you believe, The moment that you said yes, the moment that you said, Lord, I I receive the truth of the gospel. Jesus is my Savior. I recognize my my sin. I recognize my need of a Savior. I agree with you that I need a Savior. And the Bible says the moment that you did that, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. In whom you trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. The minute you believed, you were guaranteed inheritance. You see that? Y'all are quiet. The minute you believed, you received the Holy Spirit, the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to all the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit comes into our life and he seals us with the guarantee of our inheritance until we have that inheritance manifested in our life. Well, uh, I know Jesus come in my life, but boy, it just didn't look like that much has changed. Come on, keep walking. Keep walking. 
That's why the scripture says things like his mercies are new every morning because God wants you to get up this morning and go, well, yesterday wasn't such a good day, but I'm going to keep stepping. Until I see the fullness of the goodness of God that is being poured out in my life manifested until I've walked with him long enough that I begin to see the things that, that are behind me uh, fall away and the, th- the good things that God is, is trying to cause rise in my life. I begin to see the fruit of that experience, the fruit of that relationship manifested in my life until, until then. I'm, I'm just going to keep stepping. I'm just going to keep moving toward him. Because by faith I received him and the Holy Spirit came and and sealed his promise in me. I have the seal of the Holy Spirit in my life. You have the seal of the Holy Spirit. It's also uh, established in in, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21 and 22. It says it this way. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God present with you. Jesus said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to send a comfort. I'm going to send someone. Essentially what he said is, I'm going to send someone to be in you that's just like me. And the Scripture tells us that that's our seal. That's our guarantee. How many, how many like guarantees? Guarantee, God, Jesus, saying to you, this is your guarantee that I'm working in you. This is your guarantee that I'm completing that good work that I've begun in you. This is your guarantee of eternal inheritance. This is your guarantee of eternity with God. Holy Spirit, your guarantee. So he who believes in the Son has the witness within himself. The moment that you believe, the Holy Spirit comes to seal you. Sometimes, you know, some, I want to I just break off some religious stuff here for a minute, can we? We have a pattern, and, I, and, I, and we're going to talk about that pattern of, of, of believing and confessing with your mouth and all that in just a minute. But, but the reality of it is, when your heart the moment that in your heart you acknowledge your need of a Savior, the moment that in your heart you say, yes, I, I've sinned and, and I need a Savior and to be right with God, I, need Je- I believe Jesus is my Savior. That is the moment that the Holy Spirit comes to seal and to guarantee. Then, then you give voice to that. And you need to give voice to that. You need to say that that has happened. You need to to become visible about that. But it doesn't happen when you become visible about it. Sometimes in in the context of of church experience, we we invite you to come and you shake the preacher's hand or you talk to someone at the prayer team and, and, and that seals that process and begins that process and sets you on that journey. But the reality of it is, before you left your seat, when you decided... It was there in your seat that the Holy Spirit came and sealed you to the Lord. He said, you're mine and I'm yours. It's at the point of decision. Then we give voice to the decision. Now, if we don't give voice to this decision, we wonder if the decision happened, right? Because faith without works is dead. Faith will produce a response. 
So then uh, he goes on in, in verse 10 there and he says, He who does not believe calls God a liar, not believing God's witness regarding his son. Jesus said in John chapter 8, Let me just read, beginning with verse 12. Jesus spoke to them, saying, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light. The Pharisees therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself. The Pharisees actually had, they said, you're talking about you. You're tooting, they said, you're tooting your own horn. You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. And Jesus answered them and said, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I came from and where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. You judge according to what you think you see. He said, I judge no one, and yet if I do judge, my judgment is correct. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. And listen to this, verse 17. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 17 and chapter 19. Where they were not allowed to pass judgment without the testimony of two or more witnesses. So Jesus bears that out here. He says, it's written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me also. Then they said to him, where's your father? And Jesus said, well, he kind of made, made them mad. A little edgy here. You know, neither me nor my father, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. I want to talk to you just briefly about that statement that Jesus made in the mouth of two or three witnesses. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, chapter 19, that was where it was written in their law. 2 Corinthians 13, 1, the apostle adheres to this truth and says that uh, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a matter is established. And then here in John chapter 8, Jesus adheres to this truth and says there, there's two witnesses here. I'm, I'm witnessing of myself and the Father's witnessing of me. The question is, will you believe? You've heard the witness of men today and you've heard the witness of God. The witness of God is greater than the witness of men. But in your hearing, you've heard the mouth of two or three. Will you believe? You hear the witness of God, you hear the witness of men. This is what the scripture says. Romans chapter 10 and verse 8. It says this. The word is near you, even in your mouth and on your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And this is what he says. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that one believes into righteousness. And it is with the mouth that confession is made to salvation. 
And I love this passage of scripture. This may be, I always find favorites along the way, and this may be one of my favorites. Romans chapter 10 and verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Redemption, redemption delivers you from shame. Redemption sets you free from shame. Redemption sets you free from yesterday. Redemption sets you free from your brokenness. Redemption sets you free from your sorrow. Redemption sets you free from your sin. Redemption sets you free. And he says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, Rachel. John 3, 16 and 17, very familiar passage of Scripture. For God so loved the world, and He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. We just read that that to believe on Him... uh, removes you from shame. And then he comes right behind that and he says here, I didn't come to condemn. I didn't come to take you apart. I didn't come to pick you apart. I didn't come to condemn you. God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. Isn't that precious? He who believes in him is not condemned. Simply believing. 